0: Minimalists.
1: <laughs> this is the Minimalist Private Podcast. Hello, patrons. What is up,
0: patrons? Thank you so much for your support. This is everything to us, uh, and it's everything to the people that work for us. So. I just want to give an extra shout out. Really yeah, we appreciate you. We, we
1: work with quite a few people. Uh, and, you know, Podcast Sean and Jordan and Jess uh, are certainly grateful. And, and the rest of the team as well. Mm. Uh, that's the starting five uh, between the two of us and, and them. But then there's a whole team of people that help make this possible. And mm. we're grateful for that. But there's a bigger team. And that is you, the, the supporters here that keep our podcast 100% advertisement free. We've been talking about hoarding, we've been talking about stuff. We've been talking Mm. about, well, the problem in understanding the disorder, right? Yeah. And we've speculated a few things on the Minimal episode, Ryan. One of those speculations was maybe we're all hoarders to some extent. And then I clarified what that means. You and I were definitely hoarders, uh, level one hoarders. There's no question about that. We may have even been level 1.5 or somewhere around there Mm. at times. Yeah. Um, And... And so you can go back and listen to that and if you want to see the, the five levels of hoarding. But there was a question we didn't get to, Ryan. I thought we would do this one first before we get into our more about less yeah. segment. Let's this do question it. was from Marie in San Juan, Puerto Rico.
2: I was wondering if you have any advice for children of hoarder parents. My mom is an extreme hoarder and it makes it difficult to feel at home when you arrive at a house full of objects, many of them duplicates even. Not only does this affect my mental health, but my physical health as well, as many of the things have mold and roaches. My dad and I have taken the task of talking to her, but the message is just not getting through. My dad has asthma, so he cannot take charge of the situation and clean and throw away all the stuff that is not needed because he gets sick quite quickly. Therefore, it is on my shoulders to fix things. Due to this, I started looking for alternatives and found the normal food but I'm really an 18-year-old with her time compromised with work and university. Do you have any advice on how to approach the situation?
1: So, Marie, first off, I'm, I'm so sorry that you have to sort through this. I know it's not something that you deserve or something you, you want to do, and it sounds to me like your mom is either a level 3 or, or likely a level 4 hoarder with respect to the bugs and yeah, we mm-hmm. had roaches when I was growing up. A lot of roaches in the house that's in lesses now, Ryan. Mm-hmm. And that had less to do with our house, but it was a duplex. And so the neighbor was all... He was a hoarder. And mm. so he had roaches. You go over there with roaches everywhere. And it was the food that was... He was this World War II veteran. Mm-hmm. And he had, like, food caked up. And there was just bugs. You walk in. And so we had the sort of remnants. We had to deal with his roaches because we were in... The same structure, basically. basically, the same house. There was just a wall that divided the middle of it. Yeah. And so, wow. what do you have to say for Marie?
0: Man, um, this makes me think of an episode of Hoarders where a woman, uh, she had two kids. She got in trouble for drug use, she, she, she had to go to prison. So, she sent her two kids to go live with her mother, the, the kid's grandmother. And this grandmother was a level five hoarder. Now, they were like 12 and 13 when they went to go live with her. Um, but it's tough because I look at that situation and I don't know what kind of advice I have for people living with hoarders except find a way to get out. So when I think about this 12 and 13-year-old, the brother, uh, he went and stayed with he found a way to stay with, like, friends outside of the home. Now, the daughter, she found a way to kind of create her own space inside the home. But even that space that she had was still very unhealthy. Um, the the clo- Um Was it unhealthy because the other person's stuff was encroaching on their space still? Yeah. I yeah. mean, like, yeah, like, there was a lot of, like, human feces and animal feces. And, like, she – I mean, this is a level five hoarder type situation. Um, but like she would go to school and people would make fun of her for how much she smelled, even though she like went out of her way to like wash clothes. And like, I just think about the situation it made me think about when I was in school and there were a couple smelly kids. Yeah. And now I'm like, now I have just so much compassion Mm -hmm. for those kids where I'm like, oh wow, like I really, you know, in the third grade you're judging someone, but as an adult, it's like, yeah. man, I really wish I would have had more compassion for someone like that. Yeah. So, you know, with Marie, the good news is is she's 19. I don't think it gave her age, did it, Sean? I think she did. She said she's... Okay. Yeah, oh, she said okay. she was 18 or 19. Okay, yeah, great. So, you know, she is legally... It sounds like she's legally an adult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if you're living with a hoarder, you have to find a way to... to to get out and I I don't know how else to say that man
1: well here's how else to say it: you can't change the people around you but you can change the people around you yeah now what that that is often the most compassionate thing to do here's what what I mean by that when I say you can't change the people around you that first part of that means you can't force someone to change you can't impart your wisdom or download it via osmosis to someone right yeah in fact you can't give someone understanding I know you hope that they have understanding, but that hope is actually leading to your misery. you the one thing to change. Someone mm. makes you miserable, yeah. and by proxy, makes them miserable as well. Yeah. Try to save a drowning person who's flailing, and you will drown as well. Tweet yeah. that podcast, Sean. Yeah. And so, so, so with Marie here, what does she do? She doesn't save the drowning person who's flailing. She has to save herself. It, it, that's exactly it. And now, yeah. it, that, you're, at first, it might sound. Unempathetic, and it, that's fine. But it is possibly the most compassionate thing to do. When I say you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you, the second part of that means you can surround yourself primarily with people who have similar values yeah. to you. Now, it doesn't mean they have the same interests. Doesn't mean they have the same taste preferences. Hoarding isn't about taste preferences, right? Mm. It, it it is it, it is about disorder. Yeah. And and. I don't. When I say you change, you can change the people around you. that doesn't mean you can stop loving them. No, it's just appropriate sometimes to love someone from a distance because otherwise they bring you into their inferno. Yeah. In this case, it could be literally continuing to live with this person could be physically dangerous to you, disease, yeah. but also the danger of the blocked exits or fire hazards, etc. That can all be dangerous. So. What is the truth here? The the truth is that you can love someone from a distance. It is not unloving to place distance between you and them. And then if they truly want help, not a, not a, oh, it'd be nice if I had help. That's not wanting help. Mm. But if it's, I truly want help, I'm willing to do what it takes to Simplify my life to reduce the chaos even. Mm-hmm. Let's forget about simplifying right now. I'm willing to do what it takes to reduce this chaos. Mm. Then you can step in and we can talk about some of the how to stuff, I think, throughout this episode, Ryan. Well, it's interesting. If
0: Marie and her father continue to tolerate her mother, uh huh. It's actually it's enabling her mom in a way. Yeah. And sometimes you know, people, they don't see the problem until they have uh, a very drastic change in their environment. So, you know, maybe there's something where her and her dad can work, you know, can maybe work together to find Marie a way into a different place. And, and, you know, that's easier said than done. It's not easy to just go out and make a living on your own, but certainly, you know, you could find a roommate situation. At this point, I mean... Almost like a hostel would be. I mean, I'm just speaking from my own perspective. Mm-hmm. Like a hostel would even be a better situation than, Essentially, yeah, yeah, than living um, with with a hoarder. Uh, depending on what level it is, but I'm imagining a level. I'm just imagining a level five type situation. Well,
1: yeah, it's a, certainly it's at least minimum level three. It's likely a level four. Sean, will you hand me my phone? I forgot to print out this essay that I wanted no. to read. Ryan, here's how I know that no. our society is mm. drowning in consumerism.
2: Yeah. So
1: I on Instagram recently, with, since our film came out, so mm. within the last couple months, mm. there was a day, you know, I look at a bunch of DMs and occasionally I'll dip my toe in that water mm. and I'll have someone DM me. And, and so this is how I know consumer is such a big problem. We had two people same day watched the, I mean, I got a bunch of messages this one day, mm-hmm. but there were two that were back to back. And, and the first one said, I was suicidal until I saw less as now. Mm. And it put everything in perspective for me. Mm. And the next DM said, Hey, man, where did you get your couch? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, Oh, uh, are we still doing this? Are we still dealing with the couch problem? Yeah. Uh, uh, th- that's the thinking that I don't have enough. And. Whenever one of our films inspires you to buy a couch, yeah, then it misses the point of minimalism. I'm not anti-couch. Clearly, I have a couch. But if we're missing the point, it's like it's thinking decluttering will help a hoarder. Yeah. No, no, no. no. Decluttering will be the end result of a, of a, a total change in perspective. Yeah. So, Ryan, I've got this essay here. It's called Minimalism is Not. I'm going to pull this up, mm. and I thought we could talk about it. Because, really, when yeah. that person sent me the, uh, hey, man, where did you get the couch? I, I simply just responded with this essay. I feel like I wrote this short essay as a response to those types of questions. Yeah. And so now I at least have something to send to someone as soon as uh, they send me a question like that. Yeah. Minimalism is not interested in what you have. You can buy the best bag, bookcase, boots, but none of that will fill the void. And minimalism is not concerned with what you don't have. Look, Ma, no things. (laughs) Because owning nothing doesn't remove the void. Minimalism is not busy with doing something. Decluttering, organizing, and paring down don't work unless you first find peace in doing without. And minimalism is not focused on becoming something. Job titles and achievements merely generate a thirst for more. Instead, a minimalist focuses on being, being someone who returns to the natural order, to the default state of thriving with less. I'm going to pause there for a moment, Ryan. The default state of thriving with less. That's when I say when we were talking about the bonobos versus the chimpanzees, Mm. The default state, I believe, is not to hoard.
2: Mm.
1: When you go back and look at all of our ancestors, pre-civilized ancestors, so you got to go back 12,000 years or prior, mm-hmm. there weren't hoarding cultures. In fact, there weren't cultures. Culture leads to hoarding. Uh, and, and so there are some cultures that have wisdom that may not, but, but our society, Western society of today, not that it's wrong or evil. Hoarding isn't wrong or evil. It's a disorder. Yeah. Other disorders aren't wrong or evil. My father was not wrong for being schizophrenic, right? Right. What he wanted to do was treat that schizophrenia and and, and, and theoretically with something like hoarding, especially level one, two, or three, um, you you can certainly you can certainly work to understand it. And once you understand it, it's like you see the world differently. Yeah, and when you see the world differently, you don't. It's not appealing to go back. Imagine Ryan. Pi- picture your packing party. Mm-hmm. Eleven years ago, twelve mm. years ago, yeah. whatever it was.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, 2009, 12 years ago. Picture that packing party. And if I took all those boxes that were left after the twenty-one days and put them in your apartment now, <laughs> that would not seem appealing, right? It would feel like hoarding all of a sudden. Yeah. And that's how you know you were a hoarder to some extent, is if you brought that back in now, it would be like, I have to get rid Why would you have to get rid of it? Because you have an understanding of what that stuff does to you. Yeah. The hoarder simply does not understand what it, what is being done to them mm. by their stuff. So returning to the default state of thriving with less. This does not involve simplifying tips or how-to guides, it requires a deep understanding that you were born simple. Society, culture, and media have dragged you away from your nature. You've been told to improve that which does not need improvement. Mm -hmm. You've been convinced that you are lacking. You've been hypnotized into believing that you are incomplete. These are lies told to exploit you, to sell you something, But the truth won't be found in any store. It is unearthed in less. The truth awaits in the pause between stillness and awareness. In surrendering to the absence of wanting more. It cannot be conjured with the swipe of a credit card. Simplicity is not a task. Minimalism is not a destination. It's everything that remains when you let go of the attachment to every thing. Remember, when I say let go, I'm not saying that prescriptively. Mm. I'm not saying drop that. Let it go. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a, well, it's a stop doing in a way. Mm. Ryan, let's talk about Axel Vervoort. He's one of my favorite interior designers. mm you may know him because he did the interior for Kanye West's house, which is extremely minimalist. But I, you and I, on our um, maximalism episode, we talked about him briefly. He is a, I would call him, some sort of hybrid of minimalist and maximalist, depending on the setting. Mm. And so you go to his home, you, you take a look at his home, and it's maximalist. It has a lot of objects, but the quote that I love of his, is I'm not the collector who wants to possess. I want to give things a better place. It's a good attitude. I want to give things a better place. It's the opposite. During the break, we were talking with podcast Sean. Here, I'll just set this phone somewhere over here. Um, outside, out of mind, right? Uh, anyway, I we were talking during the break, and who, who was it? Was it Tori Spelling? Yeah. Oh. So Tori Spelling's story is that There was a point where she was hoarding and she had a lot of money. She's an affluent hoarder, right? Mm -hmm. And she was hoarding so many things because, well, she could. Yeah. And she had the resources to do it, but it was making her miserable. In fact, at one point she was spending $30,000 a month on storage for the hoards. It's crazy. so unbelievable. When we think about that, yeah, it, it, this can affect anyone. It, and so the, the affluent are not immune to disorder. In fact, mm-hmm. how much disorder do we see among affluent communities? Mm. There's so much disconnection there, it often leads. By the way, I think that's a commonality between a poor hoarder and a rich hoarder and a middle class hoarder. Hmm. They all feel disconnected in some way. Yeah. And so they connect, they relate to their hoard. Usually stuff, but also it can be the trash and, and other things that we talked about on the minimal episode. I did. Uh, I'm working on this photo scanning party. I just ordered the stuff, uh, so I have one last box. I, I want to try. I'm trying the Scan Digital company. So this is a follow up to our hidden clutter episode, mm. and uh, the Scan Digital.
0: I can't wait to see how it
1: works. Cause yeah, I,
0: I have a. It's like a duffel bag, which is like. It's a very small oh i know i went to
1: pick that up from you oh yeah that's right we were doing the we were filming for less is now yeah i went over to your place and you someone was like house sitting for you yeah Um,
0: they were pet sitting okay
1: yeah yeah yeah. i wouldn't make sense to house sit a a zero bedroom apartment right yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) studio (laughs) apartment run the water occasionally (laughs) right i don't know what they would do but yeah they were they were cat sitting and so i went over there to get that bag of photos from you and I felt like i was doing a drug deal because it was like a bag full of photos Yeah. i'm just walking out with this duffel bag and setting Um, it in my car and driving off yeah anyway um yeah and so i don't know I'll, i'll report back as soon as uh Apparently, this one, I've, I, from the reviews I read, takes a little bit longer than others, but they, they do a thorough job according to the reviews. That's cool. Review uh, forthcoming. but um, Sweet. Let's, have, let's talk about some of these surprise
0: questions here, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, we have one from Simply Joyfully here. My daughter is somewhat of a hoarder. What are some of the scientific theories regarding hoarding? How can I get her to see that she doesn't need all that stuff? She sees everything as a sentimental treasure. Our things have sentimental value only
1: because we have imparted sentimentality onto them, right? Yeah. And there's a reason that, Ryan, if you have a... So I have a hat box of my mother's, right? Mm -hmm. It's the... the, I think it's the one sentimental item I still have of hers besides the photographs, uh, which are being stored digitally now, right? And so I have this hat box of hers. And... That is a sentimental item to me. But sentimentality is highly perspectival. So much so that that box is not sentimental to anyone else. Unless I were to give it to a hoarder. Then Mm. it might be sentimental to them. Because it's easy for a hoarder to impart sentiment onto anything. Mm. Our things have no meaning other than the meaning we give to them. There's no inherent meaning. No intrinsic meaning to any object so back to what Axel Vavort was saying I'm not the collector who wants to possess I want to give things a better place Mm -hmm. however if we use that sort of thinking to justify our things you end up being the opposite of Axel Vavort Axel is even though he's a maximalist in some to some extent Mm -hmm. the objects he has are beautiful it looks like a museum in his house a slightly cluttered museum, but a museum nonetheless. Yeah. And I found that these hordes actually take away. I went out to um, uh, the Ames house, the case study house. I think it's number eight or number nine. Yeah. And uh, Charles and Ray Ames both lived there. It was their main residence for a long time. And they've sort of restored it and kept it how it was in its heyday. But they kept it how it was after its heyday as well. When Ray, after Charles died, Ray, she lived there for an extended period. And she started collecting a bunch of objects Mm. and they were beautiful objects. But here's the thing about beautiful objects. When you just place them all into a, a pile. Yeah. It's like, imagine if you had a landfill, Ryan with beautiful (laughs) objects, right? It's
0: still a a trash heap. Yeah. It's still a landfill. Right. Right.
1: And some of the trash might be less dirty than other pieces of trash. I heard someone talk about this recently, Mm -hmm. but like, uh, I think it was Kapil Gupta. Uh, and, uh, he was talking about thoughts though. Like Mm. someone asked him like, well, don't you ever have negative thoughts? He's like, well, negative, positive doesn't matter. All thoughts are garbage.
2: Mm.
1: So you go to a a landfill, there's some garbage. It's cleaner than other garbage. It doesn't mean it's not garbage. I would say the same thing about our hordes. When we have these beautiful objects, we've collected all of them, amassed them. All of a sudden, the meaning that we once imparted on a few things, we now give to this whole horde. And it's, Renders it meaningless in a way. Now, Mm. unfortunately, the second part of your question how can I get her to
0: see that she doesn't need all that stuff? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. And that's, you know, we've been doing this for going, it's over 10 years at this point. Yeah. And we still haven't found that answer. How do you convince someone else that they need to be a minimalist? Yes. I mean, it's because it's not about convincing, it's about offering help when one asks for help and it's about showing them the benefits in your own life, but you can't, there's nothing that you can tell your daughter to get her to see that she doesn't need all that stuff. The one thing I don't know, you know, I don't don't know if, if, if her, if simply joyfully here is contributing to the sentimental stuff, but stop buying her presents if you are right now. I Mm. mean, that's one way that you might be able to help is, uh, You're saying
1: physical gifts. You can give different gifts.
0: uh, Yeah, that's, yes, exactly. Thank you. So buying her something that she might see as sentimental, um, and she's probably already doing that. But, but yeah, other than that, like, you can't do anything beyond your own actions, simply, joyfully. Yeah, and and
1: maybe the other thing, Anthony DeMello would say, you can't help people see the truth. You can help them see what isn't the truth.
0: Mm, interesting.
1: I like that. You can't show someone reality, but you can show them what isn't reality. And you know what isn't reality here? Sentiment. Yeah. That's not real. It's not tangible. You've assigned sentiment. It doesn't make it any less real for your daughter, but when you can show her that it's not reality, you may not be able to show her what the reality is, but you can show her what isn't reality.
0: Yeah, the question, too, might be, Like, what is the deeper truth here? Like, why does she look at everything uh, as a sentimental treasure? Mm. So what else is going on in her life that makes her feel that way? And there might be something you can, you know, bring up to your daughter that might help her gain a different perspective. I mean, if anything, like that's maybe that's the one thing. And I'm just like talking this out loud. So I don't know if this is really accurate or not. But that is the one thing maybe you can do with others. You can't force them into doing things, but maybe you can create a conversation that offers a different perspective. Yeah,
1: And, 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 and but before you even do that, because I think the language often taints things. Yes. Ryan, you, when you came to me and said, and discovered minimalism, it wasn't about the, the language around it. Right. It was about the feeling around it, the essence yeah. of it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, Yes, you can get to the essence, but you can't almost. N- you can almost never get to the essence with language. I, I think mm. about uh, think about it this way: if you get onto uh, Montana, one of the most beautiful places you could be, right? Yeah, absolutely. You get on a, um, a greyhound bus there, mm-hmm. and they draw draw all the shades, right? Yeah. And even if you have a poet at the wheel w- on the intercom describing what's going on outside the window, mm. it's not going to even come close. Yeah. To the the essence, the truth, it may have a l- bunch of facts. You could put David Foster Wallace in that seat, who writes about nature better than anyone, mm. a- in a way that like, you almost feel as though you're there, but it's looking at a rainbow and grayscale. Yeah, It's not the same thing. So you can't explain what is real, but you could say what isn't out that window, and that might help that might help them understand. And as you said, it may, that may make way for the conversation so that you can talk about some of your own experiences yeah. that you've gone through.
0: Kel has a question. How do we appropriately and tactfully establish boundaries with a loved one who hoards? My mother hoards and being in that space is hard for me. When I tell her I can't be in her cluttered space and that I would prefer to see her in a healthy environment, she gives me the bad daughter guilt trip. Mm. Yeah, I've been yeah. given the bad son guilt trip plenty of times. Well, that's because you're a bad son. That's different.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, oh man, it, uh, I I, was, I
0: can relate with this. Like, is it when a parent is calling you a bad child, mm-hmm. especially as an adult? Mm-hmm. Um, it stings, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And like, you really have to look at it and you know ask yourself, like, is this criticism for me, or yeah. is it something that you know? the parent is projecting.
1: Yeah, are you are you a bad daughter? Let me just say this, no, you're not. Because there is no, bad or good, that's nonsense. Mm. That, that you, you've been told that by society. Uh, that doesn't mean there's not morality. That's a different thing, right? Are, are you are you being immoral here? Well, of course not, that's right. that that's nonsense as well, right? And so I was with you through half of this. My mother hoards and being in that space is hard for me. I'm so sorry you have to deal with that. I'm sorry that that's hard for you. I get mm. that that's hard for you, I understand. Mm. Uh, when I tell her I can't be in her cluttered space, I think that's great. That you 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 that's establishing a boundary. You're asking how do I establish a boundary, even though you've built the wall, and then you're asking me how to build a wall. You did a great job, mm-hmm. bravo. And then you ruined it with the next sentence. <laughs> and that I would prefer to see her in a healthy environment. Okay, now you now you're prescribing your preferences yeah. onto her. Yep. you ruin the whole thing because mm. now she's prescribing her preferences onto you or ascribing her preferences to you mm. and, and you're ascribing your preferences onto her and that doesn't make you bad or good it just ruins the relationship Yeah, how do you set up a boundary But by, by, by building that boundary you, which you did Yeah, it's an honest conversation and it's not judgmental it's just hey being in this space is really hard for me Mm-hmm. And if that offends her, then that's not your problem either. That's up to the recipient. It's too bad that it offends her. But is that your intention to offend her? Of course not. Yeah. And so s- simplicity is about what? It's about uncoupling, mm-hmm. right? We, mm-hmm. we say we complex things, it's two or more things woven together. Simplex means one. Well, you had two things woven together here. I can't be in your cluttered space, and I would prefer you in a different one. Nope, let's uncouple those. Yeah. And let's simply say,
0: I... It
2: the is space is hard bad, for me to be in. Yeah, it's
0: bad for my well-being yeah. to be here. I mean, imagine if your mother, I don't know, was uh, cooking crack in the kitchen. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you wouldn't be there. This is a scene from Ryan's childhood. Yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, this is a situation that, Kelbitna, you have every... Right, I guess. I mean, I I say that loosely because I just can't think of a better word right now. But you have every right to set up your boundaries and to express in a very loving and respectful way to your mother what your boundaries are. But it does – it has to stop there. You can't start setting up boundaries for your mother. And
1: sometimes the most loving, respectful way, as Ryan says, is to be direct, right? It's not – we often think that like being passive and pussyfooting around an issue is like – is the loving thing to do. Mm. No, that's the unloving thing to do. Yeah. That's that's infantilizing your parents mm-hmm. or the person you love. And the only time infantilizing is loving is when the person is an infant. Don't tweet that podcast, <laughs> Sean. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Ryan, yeah. let me just say this. I love the analogy you brought out there because if there was something that was truly harmful, mm-hmm. the cooking crack in the kitchen, or if it was... Uh, a criminal act or even if it was something that was legal but you felt really uncomfortable with but it was here's the thing it was societally acceptable to Mm -hmm. walk away from that person Mm -hmm. then what you're really telling me is oh you're actually not tainted by your mother's judgment so much as you are by
0: society's judgment here
1: possibly that's another possibility yeah we have a question here from
0: AC. Yeah, I will. Just one more thing I want to add for Kel Bitney here is that, you know, I have been called the bad son before by, uh, by my mother. And, you know, I had this conversation with her where I was like, you know, I'm a product of you. Mm. There, a lot of me is your personality. Yes. So if you are, if you're unhappy with me, you piece of you is unhappy with yourself.
1: Remember Dr. Damon Corb when he his his my one of my favorite maxims ever on this show is he said, um, uh, "If you are discontented by your child, you're discontented by your own expectations." Yeah, exactly. And that's all. That's true here for this scenario. It's in a different context, but it works perfectly. Yeah, totally.
0: All right, um, AC. At what point does collecting become? hoarding
1: well we talked about this in the hoarding definition ryan uh, during the minimal episode and basically i just want to reiterate what they said and uh i don't know that maybe if i could add some nuance here compulsive hoarding is different from collecting because the items are not necessarily displayed nor do they necessarily have any value Mm. now when they when they say they don't have any value that means they don't have value to others clearly if you're hoarding it it has value to you but it doesn't have any sort of value. To, no one would want the stuff that a hoarder has, right? It's right. it's a all it is is a trash heap that happens to have walls around it, <laughs> right? Uh, much more dangerous, by the way, than a landfill because those things are managed. Mm-hmm. A hoarder's house is not managed at all. Yeah. So that's how they say it's different because they're not displayed. But I here's what I'm gonna say: If you're a collector of things, you're not a minimalist. It's okay, but hmm. but it doesn't mean that you should be a minimalist (laughs) collecting isn't bad and if you get great joy from a huge collection of things and you're a maximalist so be it or Mm -hmm. if you just have one collection you're not a maximalist but you love angel statuettes and uh, well loving them is probably a problem huh uh we should love people use things Mm -hmm. although there is no should but um it makes more sense Uh, when it comes to living a meaningful life to to love people and so yes you might be a collector of things and not a minimalist but those things might increase your well-being and if so then great yeah it's not that you should get rid of them and you should become a minimalist because that's a better life to live i'm not a good or virtuous person because i'm a minimalist yeah so set that aside. Uh, stop worrying about the the collection mm. and and um because if you're collecting something and it's truly bringing you joy, wonderful. However, if you're asking the question, there's a chance that in the back of your mind, you're thinking uh oh, this is this is not worth the cost anymore."
0: Yeah, it's funny, I don't think I could ever look at someone and say, "You're not a minimalist." uh." Uh-huh. Or, and vice versa. I couldn't look at someone and be like, oh yeah, you are a minimalist. Mm. Because the philosophy, it's it's like, uh, I don't know, it's like Buddhism, you know? Mm. I mean, if you take in Buddhist philosophy and you're practicing it uh, even just a little bit, it's like, are you, at what point do you say, oh, I'm I'm a Buddhist? Or what point do you say, I'm not a Buddhist for someone who takes that philosophy in? But... I mean in the sense of like from, from my you know, my own perspective, yeah, I don't think like I couldn't have a collection and consider myself a minimalist, but that's because I don't have this joy for collecting certain things. I do really enjoy going to museums. Hmm. I really enjoy looking at art collections. Um although I'll tell you, the any anytime there's like a pottery or like ancient Egypt sculpture sculptures or whatever, like I don't really dig that so much but like this there's particular collections that don't resonate
1: with you others do resonate with you I would I would call either one of those curations yeah um totally and and that's when a collection can be deliberate but but I think isn't that a collection though a collection is like something that's well curated not necessarily Mm. a collection just be a a displayed set of things right Um, and and you can curate that collection and you can have a curated collection Mm. and and that would probably get you closer to minimalism uh, although with a minimalist, it's about the access. more, And you highlighted that perfectly with your illustration there, Ryan. Like mm. Going to the Getty Villa, you don't need to own, or going to the Getty, you don't need to own the Picasso. Really. You don't need to take it home with you. You don't need to possess it mm. in order to enjoy it. Mm. That is the difference for me.
0: So yeah, and so for me, the the difference, just to add to that, the collection, when it becomes unintentional, maybe that's when it starts. To become a hoard when you're when it's a collection that is uncurated because yeah you could have a collection of magazines Mm -hmm. that you're just hanging on to every magazine that ever crosses your path great point yeah so that might be when it starts to become hoarding lisa how do we appropriately and tactfully broach the subject with a loved one who is a hoarder living in dangerous conditions i.e they're living in a space infested with pests teeming with garbage a fridge filled with expired food and no one can safely enter their space to address any of the maintenance issues. Wow. So this is like a level five type. This is a level
1: five hoarder. Mm. Yeah. Um, so let's, again, I love what Ryan did with Calbitna's question earlier, remove hoarding from it for a second. And let's say this person loves to juggle fire (laughs) (laughs) And they live in a house that's made of newspaper. Yeah. Well, how do I stop them? Yeah, I mean, I could physically restrain them, and that'll work for a day, mm-hmm. but I can't be there all the time to babysit them, right? Yeah. So the only thing that I can do... By the way, you're not required to do anything. You don't have a responsibility to do anything. Right. It's not up to you to fix them. They actually can't be fixed. That's a totally different conversation. You can't mm. fix anything because life is only change. But the only thing you can do, other than restrain them temporarily... Is which I, I don't I I, I don't recommend it at all. Don't no. restrain anyone. No, that's illegal. Right. And, and oh, in fact, Ryan, did you see the tweet? Uh, we got to find this tweet. Put a link <laughs> to this one in the show notes, Sean. This guy reached out to us on the minimalist. He's like, Hey, I um I I after watching your film. For the last month, I've been secretly, I forget what he said exactly. This is a paraphrase here. But I've been secretly decluttering my wife's stuff Oh no. for the last 30 days, and oh. she hasn't noticed any of it. Thanks for the inspiration. And I just quote tweeted it, and I said, you deserve to be arrested. Yeah. This it's illegal. Is, this is theft. Yeah. A- and and so you don't, mm. don't think that, Imparting your preferences onto someone else is virtuous.
0: It is the opposite. Yeah. You're not helping them. It's if anything, it's a selfish act. You're not actually helping them. You're Yes. You're doing it for yourself, and that's Yeah. That's certainly something we wouldn't recommend. Remember the 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 gentleman who brought his daughter in Atlanta? And he was like, I'm here to have you explain to my daughter why it was okay for me to get rid of all her stuff. And we were like, Uh, it's not okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. Have her uh let her keep yeah. her stuff and do what she wants with her stuff. Yeah. It's not good or moral or better to um it's not good or moral or better. I'm sorry, we had someone walk in the room there, mm-hmm. it totally distracted me. To to own nothing. Mm-hmm. Because if that was the case, we'd be, as with each thing that I got rid of, I'd get like some virtue point. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, what do you do in this situation? You, there is no way to like tactfully broach it. Again, this kind of goes back to Cal Bitton in the sense you want to set up boundaries. You want to express what those boundaries are in a loving and respectful way, non-judgmental way, um, and then, you know, you you make sure that your boundaries don't get crossed. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing. There's no advice that Josh and I can give to say, well, here, here's how you can tell a hoarder that they have a problem and that they need help and here's how to tell them they have a problem.
1: Right, and interventions generally don't work. No. Uh, I mean, you and I have been through those with alcoholism and drugs and all these other things. Yeah. And, and with with several people. And um, what, what does work, the only thing that works, is when they understand the danger. Uh, yes. In other words, understanding the problem. Yeah. And, and that's not through a doing, right? Because mm. you could go there and get rid of their hoard. Mm-hmm. You're actually, in a weird way, gonna make them more miserable. Now, yeah. it, you, you're gonna feel better about it because look, I removed the all this clutter. Mm. But it's gonna be recluttered yeah. a year from now, yeah. a, a, a month from now, a day from now even, right? Th- because it never addressed the fundamental problem. Mm. And yes, you can you can talk around that, but you can't show someone reality, right? Yeah. They can only
0: they can only understand it for themselves. I just keep going back to that show hoarders, and a lot of the people on there who are getting help, mm-hmm. they're in a situation where the city is like, "Hey, um, if you don't get help, mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to remove you from your home, yeah, and we're going to take care of this for you." So I mean, I think that that's horrible. So but it, it is horrible. It is horrible, um, but I guess what I'm getting at is, is like, you know, that's the only time I think it's appropriate. Uh, when, and when I say that's the only time, but by that I mean if someone's hoarding mm-hmm. is endangering the people around them, mm-hmm. yes, who don't have a choice, then that is where you know, there's you know, there's something more than. Uh, than the minimalist stepping in that needs to happen.
1: Right. And so if they're harming someone else, you would do whatever you would do if they were physically harming someone else. Exactly, And, and so if they're just harming themselves, mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset that I, uh, you know, I shouldn't make suicide illegal. Right. I'm not saying that, but like anything else that hurts myself, I want to do heroin. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see why that's illegal. If I, But if I want to force someone else to do heroin, of course, that makes sense that that would be right. uh, uh, illegal. Um, and so yeah. it, it doesn't make sense to me that we would um, force someone to stop hoarding on their own. But if yeah. it is harming someone else, then it's actually a form of
0: self-defense at that yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, we have a question here from Matthew. What effects does a hoarder's actions and situation have on the relationships within the hoarder's family members? How are those complications appropriately addressed? Love people use things because the opposite never works, mm-hmm. is what we often say. It's yeah. in fact
1: the title of our next book, and and well, let's reverse that, right? In fact, we were we did this interview recently on uh, I think it was GMA or the Today Show. Mm-hmm and uh, beforehand, he's like, I see that book behind you, Love People, Use Things. Is the sequel gonna be called uh, Use People, Love Things? And I said, uh, unfortunately, that was the prequel. <laughs> yeah. And and that was the prequel yeah. for us. We yeah. used people mm-hmm. and we loved things. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that is a language problem. It, we we love tacos, but we love our uh, sister or whatever, <laughs> right? And, and so there are these different uh, emotions that we describe with the same word but mm. I think we also get confused and so when Matthew asks what effects does a hoarder's actions have on a situation uh, and uh, with the relationships right and family members your closest relationships quite often well it confuses them yeah it's the loving of things and either the using or forsaking of mm. people mm-hmm. that is the biggest thing I know for me as a a level one or two hoarder, I forsook all of the people closest to me and really loved things. Well, why mm. did I love them? Well, it's because of this thing called identity, mm. uh, we're the self, thinking there is a self that yeah. will be completed. <laughs> if I complete my identity. We never live up to the identity, so we'll always fill the void. feel the void, because yeah. you can't fill the void. The void is actually created by identity, which is created by society.
0: Yeah, well, it's in, I just thought, when you love things, uh, they, they can't reject you. <laughs> ah. so, so there's something there with like, they don't love you back, um, but maybe there's something there with, yeah, with, uh, you know, a thing can't, can't give you rejection. And maybe that's why people tend to love things rather than people. Yeah.
1: I don't, I would say most people can't love you back either. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I can expand on it. Um, well yeah, actually, yeah, Well, will just real quick. So I mean,
0: yeah, you can expand on it. Yeah,
1: sure. I think that, that quite often because of the society we're in, mm-hmm. we've turned love conditional. We've turned it transactional. Hmm. Uh, as soon as love becomes conditional, it's not love. It's tied to an outcome. Mm. When something's tied to an outcome, it's chasing. That's not love. That's, that's, that's pleasure seeking. Okay. And, and so quite often when I say, we talk about using people, that's what I mean. I don't mean using them in an evil sense. Sure. I, I mean that we often use them in ways that are transactional. Right. And, and even that, I'm not saying there's anything morally wrong with that. If everyone understands their you know, their role, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I go to the store and have a transaction. I use the cashier to ring out my my food. That's a transactional relationship. Mm. But I can't. So I I am, I am using them in that sense. And uh, but but when we extend that to the people closest to us, loving it comes. Loving becomes removed from the equation. When we truly love someone it is not on a condition. And I I've, yeah, I've been exploring this a bit with Bex on her podcast How to Love. Mm-hmm. And uh How to show. by the way if you want to check it out. And what we've you know how absurd is it? We we called it How to Love because it's the most absurd thing in the world. Like as if you could have a five step, 10 step, 40 step, uh, 77 step plan to love. Mm. It's absurd. What what it's really about is is because we often in our society we think about it in, in, in how tos, but it's a it's about it's about an understanding of what love is uh, you and i have a a former friend of ours whom uh it's h- he's hard to love mm-hmm. um and he has some mental illness and um mm-hmm. has said some hideous things about me and you Mm. and and my family and and so practicing loving even this person practicing is probably the wrong word but simply loving this person regardless of that uh, is is possible Mm. and it doesn't require his returned love his reciprocity or even his understanding so what what was the original statement you said that it's impossible for someone to love you back. Oh no, definitely didn't say that. I said that I, I think that that most people are incapable most, of love. Yeah. Most Not,
0: people are incapable of love. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 in, mm. And the
1: reason being is because we've commodified we, it. We have commodified. You That's know? exactly. We've commodified love in a way yeah. where we 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 truly love things or we love experiences even. We don't understand love
0: as the yep. the essence, the fabric of relationships. So okay, so someone is capable of loving you back, but they are incapable of loving? I'm I'm just, I'm just trying to get on the same page. It's the no, no, same thing.
1: Uh, uh, no, what I'm saying is because Uh, I'm not saying it's impossible for them. Mm -hmm. I'm saying in the current state, the commodified state that society has thrust us into, Mm -hmm. and it's not your fault, by the way, but like these questions even, they Mm -hmm. they seem like they're coming from a place of love. Mm -hmm. And intellectually, I can understand why, right? But when I see a question like, how do I tactfully broach the subject with a loved one? Mm -hmm. um, And then it goes on to basically say, you know, some of these questions like, how do I change this person? Right. Well, the, the desire to change someone is never loving. Hmm. The desire to change someone is all wrapped up in ego. Yeah, It's I know better than you, and therefore I'm on a pedestal. And and putting myself on a pedestal means I look down at you. Well, that's the least loving place that I can be is on a pedestal. Yeah, And especially if I'm placing myself there. Equally, if you place me on a pedestal, mm-hmm. if you put me on the pedestal, that is what... Um, Derek servers was called meta incompassionate. Right. right? It is forcing me now to look down on you, mm. which makes me not be loving. Yeah. if I'm looking down on you.
0: Yeah. I wish I could follow. I, I just, I'm having a hard time following it. Cause when I think about like how to love, like that is, it's, it's a silly question, mm-hmm. but that's the point of it though. Right. 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 Uh, and then, but the question of like, how can I show someone that I love them? Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, is not a silly question. It's the
1: same question, though.
0: Right. So let's talk about that. So how to love um, is silly because it's like, how do you explain, you know, uh, the color blue, right? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. It's, right. But, you know, when people have someone in their lives that they truly care for and they want to go out of their way to show them, like, hey, I care for you or, hey, I love you. I think society has done us a disservice in the sense that they give us these tropes of buy them flowers, buy them chocolates, you know, sure. and it's silly. So some people truly don't know how to show someone else that they love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I think there are some universals with uh, give someone your, your, your time, give them your attention. Mm. It's a great way to show someone love. Yeah, but it's not a universal to because I can love you without giving you any of my time oh no no that's not but you're working at it from ba- from a backwards the, the question is is um, or the statement that I'm uh, that I'm saying is is that if you show if you want to show someone that you love them like that is one way to show them that you love them like mm. g- give them your attention respect them um, it's universal in that sense. Yes, you're right. You can also give someone who you don't love your attention, mm-hmm. but I'm saying that like, and it's, and it's, I guess it would be different with, you know, with each relationships, but I can't think of one. If you're trying to show someone love, giving them your, your time and attention, that's a, to me, that seems like a universal way to show love by showing someone that you understand them. But yes, you could also do that with someone who you don't love. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying there
1: yeah i i don't know i mean i think love is an undercurrent or a fabric in, in a way right and so like i there's a piece of me i'm, I'm still exploring this and that's mm-hmm. what the whole how to love thing is about yeah. um i'm I, I don't think it's possible to love one person and not love someone else of course. Uh, it's
0: a, say that again. No, I'm saying it's not possible. I don't,
1: I don't think I can love you and, and truly love, mm-hmm. and we really understand what, what is true love, love is. Well, yeah, that's a th- that's is, we're well, already well, we're already 15 hours into that discussion on how to love. Like <laughs> it, it's that, th- really that's that's what the whole thing is, right? And, but but what I'm trying to say is, set it aside for a moment. It, mm-hmm. Trying to explain true love is is putting the blinds up on the Greyhound bus and 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 then. Getting David Foster right. Wallace in the seat and and saying mm. here's what is outside these windows right yeah but what I'm what I'm ultimately saying is if I love you I also love Jordan I can't love you and not love Jordan uh, and and because love it's it's mm.
0: it's not in a container are are you talking about I mean yeah it's not in a container but are you talking about like say there was like a random person here that you've never met in Jeff your life. Yeah, sure, Jeff, uh-huh. who we've never met, enters yep. the room. Yep. You're saying it's impossible for you to love me and not love Jeff?
1: I'm saying that we experience love. Here's a better way to put it, right? Hmm. I'm not in love. Love is in me.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, and that totally makes sense. I mean, when I think about the other day when I was doing that those French interviews, and someone was like, well, who are you as a person? Who are you? And I'm yeah. like, well, you know, I am what I desire. Yes. Well, what do you desire? Mm. I'm like, well, you know. Cheetos. I, d- t- Cheetos. I am Cheetos. <laughs> I desire love. I desire peace. I desire to teach. Mm. So I, I do think that, yes, you are. And, and this is the problem with the word love and how there's only... The, 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 there's one word that has so many different definitions in the english
1: language we basically use one word and we, so there's, there's not an equivalent yeah, so
0: there's a way for me to to show love to be loving which is um someone you know there's a homeless man who comes up to me and he's like hey uh let me tell you my story and why i need five bucks mm-hmm. and i can sit there and show compassion and listen to the story and i could i could because what going back to what you said the love is inside of me so i am you know trying to show this person compassion which uh i think that love creates that desire to show compassion yeah um but then also you know there is there is uh i don't know there's a love like for mariah where i'm like oh mariah really loves sunsets and she really loves this particular restaurant. So, you know, um, she really finds um, getting attention with something that she doesn't ask for. Like that to her is a sign of like, oh, um, Ryan really cares about me. Mm. So, you know, for Valentine's Day, like I'll go, you know, we'll go get her favorite food and like go w- go watch a sunset and it's not a transaction as much as it's giving her that time and attention mm. so yeah it's just it's funny because it's yeah it, there is it's like i <laughs> i um totally understand what you're saying and i don't, don't understand you do at all and <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah i mean it,
1: it's yeah. it, it's fine okay. I, I i think that i i'm Clearly what's happening is there's a communication breakdown.
0: Well, no, I think the word love means so many different things. Right.
1: And I think we don't understand it as a result. When I'm talking about love, mm-hmm. I'm talking about love. I'm not talking about preferences or enjoyment. <laughs> um, and, and what you're talking about, when you say she loves sunsets, like that's not what I'm talking about when I talk about love. That's a preference for sunsets, no, enjoying not, sunsets. Yeah,
0: I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying, but that's okay. okay. And, 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 we, and we don't have, we don't have to continue to talk about it. But, I mean, it's... It, clearly, the word "love" is problematic in general, because because it's hard to it's it's hard to sit here and you said true love, and you're like I'm not talking about love, I'm talking about love, and like, I mean this is this is a language barrier that mm. the, the that the English language has a problem with. Um, w- what I'm simply saying this all started from you. I forget exactly what I said. I wish we could go back and hear my exact question, uh-huh. but I said something about objects not being able to. Um, reject you.
1: Yeah, I'm saying most, and you said, and they can't love you either. And, and so well, I think all I think most people are incapable of love. Right, and yeah. so that's
0: that's where this started. Yeah. And what I'm what I'm saying, what I'm trying to understand, is that specific statement: most people are incapable of love. Let me, let me but simplify. We can't, it. But we can't even talk. We can't even agree on what the word love means. It doesn't matter.
1: It's like saying we can't agree on what reality is. By the way, I think love is reality. So like. <laughs> it, it, it's not about showing you what reality is, mm-hmm. right? It's it's about understanding what, what, because definitions, they don't go anywhere. So mm-hmm. we're, it doesn't make sense for us to, to try to get to the definition. I'm trying to get to the essence of the thing. So what are we really talking about here? Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is, as soon as we have made love conditional, we've made it unloving. As soon as we've done something that's egoic, it's also unloving. Any of these pursuits of trying to change someone Mm -hmm. is always an egoic pursuit. Also, Helping someone mm-hmm. might feel loving, but mm-hmm. helping is always tied up in the ego. Nothing wrong with it. The ego is not bad. In fact, one could make an argument that we need the ego for survival. It's sure. part of our evolution. If we
0: could completely let like, go of our ego, I'd be a rock. I mean, there, there's the ego is a necessary thing to be a human being. Like we have, we have to have ego. Yeah,
1: yeah, and so, so okay. uh, I'm not
0: saying get rid of your ego let go of the ego have mm-hmm. less ego
1: whatever i'm simply saying when love becomes entangled with ego it's no longer love it's something else and so helping someone is hmm. always an egoic pursuit and, and yeah that's, that's not a bad yeah. thing i'm just saying that that helping someone is not necessarily as loving as we believe it to be it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it it, it it simply means that we're confused about what love really is.
0: Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I disagree with that. As soon as ego enters it, that it takes away love. Because, again, to be human is to have an ego. So if you were to remove ego from yourself, in a way you would be removing love from yourself. Because, again, you have to... To have an ego to be human it's Mm. impossible to be a human being without the ego again you might as well be that that fake plant over there well it's not
1: completely impossible to be a human being without ego you 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 are there are quite often times where you are a human being mm -hmm. and you don't have ego when you're snowboarding as a great example yes
0: yes, you're in a flow state yes but the ego is always going to be present no it's not present then is what i'm saying in this in the sense of even when I mean when you're snowboard when I'm snowboarding mm-hmm. there is like a flow state, but there's still like the ego of I have to be safe so I can like not hurt myself so I can live so I can be there for Mariah so I, you know I'm not gonna go out of my way to do something stupid um yeah i That's yeah how I would there. i would yeah yeah i I guess. Maybe there are glimpses of where the ego isn't there, but I mean, right, I think it's an exception, not the rule. I think the rule is 99.9% of the time Uh the ego is there. And that is, again, it's not about the ego being good or bad. There's no value judgment on the ego. The ego is simply the ego. So the question is, is what are we using that ego to do? Uh Now, when I bring up the beach and the food, it's not about this transactional thing between me and Mariah. Uh It's more about me not go because I can go out of my way to have an experience with her. Uh Hey, let's go to the trash heap and let's roll down the trash pile and have some fun and we'll get dizzy. Uh Like she's going to be like, what are we doing? Sure. But there's a difference when I'm trying to create an experience with things that she prefers. It is a, Oh, not only is Ryan trying to have an experience with me, Mm -hmm but he's really going out of his way to create an experience with things that we both really, really enjoy. Mm. It's not about the transaction as much as it is about trying to experience that someone, it's the same thing with sex. Some people really love to be beat up during sex. Mm-hmm. If I started to beat Mariah up during sex, that's not showing any love whatsoever. That would be like a disrespectful thing because yeah. that's not what she's into. Yeah. Um, so ag- again, Uh, it's what I'm trying to say is that the, the act of getting dinner, going to watch the sunset, it's creating an experience that is preferable to Mariah and myself for that matter. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess I'm still, I, I I understand what you're trying to say. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't, I just don't emotional. I just can't emotionally connect with people don't know how to love. Well, or the, people. The
1: reason, the reason being is, is you you're associating as bad as though it's a bad thing. No, yeah, no, it, it, and it's. I, th- it's I think you're putting words. I think you're putting words in my mouth. Right, but that's clearly what's what's happening is our culture has said to not be loving is a bad thing. And it's not what I'm saying. Um, what I'm saying is that it's it's okay to understand that like whether or not the the person you're having sex with they they want to be you know, tied up when you're having sex or they don't want to be tied up. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's loving either way. Sure. that That is part of the experience. And that's fine. Love is something different from that. And I, I agree with you. We could, we, we can have a, an in-depth conversation. In fact, it'd be nice to bring like a mystic on so we could talk about love in a way that is divorced from
0: society. I think, yeah, I think like, uh, I mean, and at this point, I think it is getting, it's almost a little woo-woo-y in this sense that you know, uh, pure love is, it has nothing to do with, you're right. I mean, I agree with that sentiment of like pure love has nothing to do with the actions. When you feel pure love though, like you are moved. Yes. You're moved to take actions. There we go. With, with somebody. Now we're on that, we're on the same page now. Right. So, uh, so yeah, I mean the, the or maybe let me
1: just append that. We, sure. ca- we can be moved. We're not necessarily moved. You can feel, you felt pure love for someone and just mm-hmm. maybe not done anything other than like well up with emotion, right? Mm-hmm. You felt that love where it doesn't require any, because love doesn't require action, but sometimes what you're saying is yeah. it may compel you to do something mm-hmm. for that person that you love.
0: Yeah. I still, I wish Look, I we could, ended
1: up on the same page. Yeah,
0: I wish I could it, intellectually, even intellectually, and not to mention, but emotionally, like the statement of most people or no one knows how to love. Um, I hear it, I hear those words, mm-hmm. but connecting with that is that's that's all I'm trying to get with this, man. I'm just trying to get to like you, the statement that you made. It's a very, um, it's a very, uh, it's just a very strong statement. Yes, that I wish I could even begin to understand what you're trying to say with people don't know how to love
1: you already have begun and that's beautiful what we'll do is we'll just that's what this private podcast is for yeah let's
0: continue to explore this because
1: what what you and I just did is we we didn't communicate flawlessly and we're not going to especially with something like this because we're in the Greyhound bus right now mm-hmm. with the shades drawn mm-hmm. and I'm up front trying to explain what's out the window
2: mm-hmm.
1: and by the way my windshield is fogged up so I don't even know completely what's out the window <laughs> as well and yet I'm trying to give you a picture of what's going on out there yeah. and I only see part of it a- and so when we're talking about love mm-hmm. it's it will behoove us to not uh, and thankfully we didn't get wrapped up in any sort of definition here which was nice it would be behoove mm-hmm. us to not try to look at love Yeah. But to look at everything that love isn't. And we'll save that for yeah. future conversations. We've got yeah. some more
0: questions here. All right. Laura has a question for us. What is the difference between the mental health situations that result in hoarding and the accumulation of sentimental items with age? Mm. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting line being drawn there. It's my understanding that there's a difference between an elderly person with lots of memories in their physical belongings and clinical hoarding. Yeah, so
1: this is uh, this is, goes back to Kapil Gupta's uh, trash heap, right? Yeah, which is the you know the clean trash versus the the dirty trash, right? I mean, it's it's all hoarding, and and when we start imparting sentiment onto a bunch of items, a hoard of items, yeah. By the way, look it up in your dictionary. Go to your dictionary app on your phone or your Funk and Wagnall. <laughs> <laughs>
0: My favorite dictionary. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and look up hoard or hoard. Yeah, hoarding, uh, collection. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's right there. And so, it's just a nice way of saying hoarding. Now, mm. if you're asking what the differences are, we already went through the levels. What you're talking about here is a low-grade level one hoarder versus, you know, a level three, four, five. Mm. But. It's all a type of hoarding. It's just where are you on the spectrum? A minimalist is a level zero hoarder. What does that mean? It doesn't mean I'm not a hoarder. It just means I have the potential to hoard if I don't keep living intentionally. Because, mm-hmm. Ryan, if you and I stop living intentionally, we're going to start hoarding again. Yeah. It's we, we, we programmed ourselves. We have 30 years of programming. <laughs> We've spent the last 10 years deprogramming that, but, my God, we could be reprogrammed if we weren't
0: careful. 100%. You know, it's interesting. I I think what well, we talk about, you know, if everything around us is precious, then nothing is precious at all. Yes. I think it could be applied with sentimental things too. If everything you hold on to is sentimental, then nothing is sentimental. Yes. It, it's it it has it, it 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 becomes uh going from having meaning to no meaning whatsoever.
1: It waters it down, right? Because yeah. like you you use that packet of the uh, electrolytes, the element electrolytes. Yeah. And um. If you put that in that much water, what is it like four ounces of water? Sure. If you, it's going to be really, really strong. Right. Right. But if you put it in four gallons of water, you might still taste a tiny, tiny bit of mm-hmm. it. But you've lost the the concentration. The same thing mm-hmm. is true with our things. Mm-hmm. When we water down our sentimental items with tens of thousands of sentimental items, as Ryan said, then y- you've spread your sentimentality too thin. Right. K-N-M
0: has a question for us. Is decluttering enough to address hoarding? What mindset and work-slash-habit adjustments must accompany it? It seems hoarding is ground in deep emotions. So, no, decluttering is not enough. And We've kind of talked about that a little bit.
1: We have. I'd like to address the second part of the question here. What mindset and work-habit adjustments must accompany it? Mm. Uh, Habit change doesn't work. Yeah. And, and here's what i mean by that if you simply change your habits by without understanding or, or just take habits out of it. you change your behaviors without understanding why you change your behaviors mm-hmm. people always default to their default yeah and, and so you're going to go back to the previous habits unless you've actually changed as you put here very eloquently your mindset now that's not a prescription you Mm. must change your mindset and here are the four steps no 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 no. Mm. what does mindset mean all all you really mean is how do how do i get them to understand but even the how doesn't work how do you get someone to understand they're a hoarder Mm. well uh, you you don't but if you understand it they might understand the problem yeah so what is the actual problem the hoarding isn't necessarily the problem there are all these other problems and it creates a ton of problems Mm. the i mean especially when you get to what we see here on level four and five ryan human feces bugs dishes food and non-working refrigerators more than four pets over the allotted limit right (laughs) <laughs> right. And uh, I, I laugh at it because like there's a, a municipal limit. Like I I don't know, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you can have twenty one cats, right. but in Co- Mary, yeah. but in Kokomo you can only have
0: sixteen. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. I, I don't know. Well, you know, I think about my own personal journey with hoarding and you know, wanting all the physical possessions I could get my hands on that interested me interested me, I guess, you know. But the mindset is always well, I guess I'm always going to have those impulses to buy new things. Mm-hmm. Like it's not that we have found a way to not have those impulses anymore. It's not like we have found a way to never want to buy anything again. Like those those deeper underlying uh, issues in our in our mindset, they're always going to be there. What we've done is we have incorporated some boundaries into our lives, right that help us to, uh, or that prevents us from from creating another hoard. So the hoarder, uh, I think decluttering the hoard uh, certainly will help to get to a, a, a safe level of, t- to a safe environment, essentially. Mm-hmm. Like when I see these hoarding shows, it's all about like, they're very unsafe environments. So yes. the decluttering will help someone to get to a safe environment. The mindset will always be there. The habits... Uh, I mean, I think a better word is probably boundaries. So mm. there are some boundaries that have to be set up to accompany the the decluttering. Um, but those deep emotions will always be there. So it's not a matter of how to get rid of those deep emotions. It's how do you prevent those deep emotions from ruining your life? I feel like Or how do you let them maybe it's not preventing them because I don't want to look at it as like pushing up against those deep emotions. It's more about like how do you allow those deep emotions to like flow through you without ruining your life? Mm. Maybe that's a better way of saying it.
1: Yeah, because the emotions are going to appear Mm. and you are not. In fact, you know, it's not that you're a hoarder, it's that you're hoarding. Right. Yeah. And and you can decouple that because there is no self there that is uh, a hoarder. There is the act of hoarding. Mm -hmm. One stops being a hoarder when they stop hoarding. Right. And, and so it doesn't mean that you don't have the hmm. disposition. Like, right. I think you and I still have the disposition to hoard.
0: I still have a hoarding mindset. Right. Or, uh, uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Hoarding or, emotions or whatever. Yeah.
1: Emotions that lead to that. And, and so like the same thing is true with all the emotions that we experience is it's not that you are anxious. It's that anxiousness arises within you. Right. And when you understand that distinction, mm-hmm. It's the I'm not in love. Love is in me. There mm. is a distinction there with the anxiety, with depression. I'm not a depressed person. Depression has arisen within me, yeah. and I can witness it without that being my identity. I believe we answered Darren's question, so maybe you can yeah. put a link to this question in the show notes already. Do afflu- affluent hoarders? Affluent hoarders exist. We already talked about that with yeah. Tori Spelling, and then we also uh, Little Miss Beats had a question here about. What the hoarders fear most. We already talked about that. It may have been on the minimal episode, mm. but we, we talked about the fears. But I thought we'd get to Jai the Simplifiers question.
0: Cool. Let's do it. Does a simple 10 step list of guidelines for addressing and overcoming hoarding seem to be in order? So I think he's asking with that question like, do we need to come up with a 10 step list, right? Mm-hmm. There's so much info out there that it seems slimming it down. To do the basics would be helpful. The, every word is different. Sure, it's yeah. like a, it's like asking. It's like the I don't know the ten simple steps to love. Mm. It's getting back to that. It's mm-hmm. like there, it becomes absurd, right? Yeah, it's like there are there are uh, there are ways that you know love moves you to do things, and uh, yeah, it's different for everybody. So
1: yeah. what we're, we it always comes back to this understanding. Mm. We started our film. Less is now with that question. How might your life be better with less? It sounds like it's a how question, but it's actually a why question. What are the benefits of simplifying? And that doesn't require a 10 step list. In fact, I love the, uh, the paradox of this question, right? Mm. There's so much info out there. Can you slim it down to 10 steps? There's a horde
0: of information.
1: Yeah, and yeah. Li- like 10 steps sounds like overwhelming to me. Mm. What if I gave you one step? How mm. might your life be better with less? And Mm. some people might say, especially hoarders, are gonna say it wouldn't be. I can't help you then. Because if you don't have an understanding, I would simply be stealing your stuff from you. And of
0: course, that's not helping. It also goes back to uh, what type of hoarder are you, right? So like the 10 steps wouldn't work because there are so many different types of hoarders as well, I mean, yeah. Yeah, but you, you would treat the book hoarding
1: Differently from the food pet hoarding, hoarding or, or the, pet hoarding, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, yeah, totally. Arendam has one more question for us. At what at what point would our digital collections be considered hoarding? I think I have a digital hoard, man. Mm. I look at it like it is. It's not. It doesn't affect my life negatively and going back to the clinical definition that's what hoarding is it's yeah. when you're, it affects your your life negatively so it doesn't have a negative effect on my life um, but looking at you know all the digital photos and you know uh, the unstuck the you know the 11 chapters I have written right now and mm-hmm. um, that I will not publish till my mom is dead <laughs> you're so lucky your mom died Josh <laughs> Um,
1: Tweet that podcast, Sean.
0: Yeah, so, uh, so yeah. I mean, I think you know, hoard in the sense of like having a lot. I think mm. all of us probably have a digital hoard. The question is, is if it's negatively affecting your life. Well, then maybe that's where it can be considered the uh, the clinical definition of hoarding.
1: I can tell you from me what what digital hoarding would be. Hmm. It's if I have attachment to it, mm. and. I do think digital clutter is different. So let me take the hoarding out of it for a second. Digital clutter is different from physical clutter. Sure. Obviously, on the hoarder side of things with the digital, I'm sorry, with the physical clutter, it becomes unsafe, Mm. dangerous. Yeah. It can hurt you and harm other people. Yeah. I don't know that's the case with, maybe some extreme examples somewhere, but with the digital clutter, you can have millions of bits of information mm-hmm. stored on the cloud or a hard drive or whatever mm-hmm. and you may not be a digital minimalist and that's okay but but it's not harmful to you and to other people mm. a- and the thing that i'll say though where it can be harmful is if we do have that attachment mm. and so if we have the same attachment if we've just moved that attachment from physical goods into digital goods then yeah, that's harmful in a different way. It's psychologically damaging. Yeah, and so I know our friend Derek Sivers. He um, he he famously uh, discourages people from using like popular platforms to stu- store their photos, like mm-hmm. Dropbox or Google Photos. Mm-hmm. And you know why he does that? Mm. He um, he. Well. He knows that like he had a friend who had all their photos on Google photos, and they did some sort of switch on the back end and this guy's all of his family's photos were all deleted, wow, right mm. and it caused him great pain mm-hmm, yeah, because his digital hoard was Conflagrated. yeah and and so when when that happened, he felt a lot of distress mm. and, and what I would say is, well, yeah, he probably had a hoard then. Because if you wiped out all of my digital photos, yeah. I wouldn't feel that same distress. Mm. I, I would feel a pang of, well, annoyance for sure. Yeah. I would definitely be annoyed. I'd feel inconvenienced. And there would probably be a moment of um, of grief, mm. but it would be short-lived because I don't have that same attachment to those things that I used to have. And so I think ultimately it comes down to attachment. So what what Derek often recommends is like you store your own photos on your own servers and all this other stuff. Mm. Fine, but maybe maybe the true digital minimalist is the person who is unbothered as to whether or not they have access to that stuff at all. Yeah. Patrons, thank you so much for your commitment. Yeah. For your um, contribution Amen. and for your listenership,
0: we're grateful. Thank you so much.
1: Love people. Use things. We'll see s- you soon.
0: See ya. The minimalists. <laughs>